0: Horror Critic.
1: Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And we are your killer couple, critiquing and arguing over horror films like a couple of weirdos at the bar. <laughs> uh, so maybe we never enlighten you. Maybe we never blow your mind. But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So today we are continuing our Monsters in Love theme for the month. Which, by the way, happy Valentine's Day to those who recognize it and fuck (laughs) valentine's day to those who oppose it it's really not a holiday i give a fuck about but
2: (laughs) it's an excuse to eat chocolate
1: exactly it's an excuse to eat chocolate watch my bloody valentine and talk about monsters in love as we are doing tonight so (laughs) otherwise fuck it but uh so today we are continuing that conversation with the 2015 film spring uh so this is directed by justin benson and aaron moorhead uh, these are a couple sort of do-it-yourself filmmakers that tend to make movies where they pretty much do a good chunk of it all on their own, you know? So <laughs> uh, so they directed, uh, Justin Benson wrote it. Uh, the two of them also worked on the editing of the film as well as the cinematography. And oh, shit. It, they, they just made a film called Something in the Dirt where they did pretty much everything in it during quarantine. Uh, they're also known for their films Resolution, The Endless. Uh, basically, all their work is worth seeing. They tend to do very sort of... Out there, kind of unique, sort of like existential (laughs) philosophy, (laughs) kind of stuff. But but they're a pair of filmmakers who are do-it-yourself guys. They met as interns in the lobby of really Scott's ad agency. Uh, I believe <laughs> Justin Benson at one time was supposed to be or, or was uh, was was in school to be a doctor and could have been and did filmmaking instead. And he likes <laughs> chose to rub, And he chose this. And he likes to rub that in Morehead's face a lot every time they're making decisions. He's like, I could have been a doctor, you know?
2: What a dick. <laughs>
1: uh, but anyway, yeah, just a little fun background on them. Uh, but like I said, the film was written by Justin Benson and it stars Taylor Pucci as Evan, who you might recognize as the dorky guy in the Evil Dead remake, you know, the one who reads from the goddamn book like a moron. <laughs> or at least, or did he read from the book? Maybe it was somebody else. I believe he read from the book. I don't know. It's been Matt, all. Matt's
2: blaming it on him, regardless. Now I'm blaming it on
1: him, uh, <laughs> as well as Nadia Hilker, uh, who I think maybe most well known here in the states is Magna in The Walking Dead. She's a German actress who actually worked as a model before she got into acting. Of course, no surprise there. She's gorgeous, fucking amazing. <laughs> Perfect character for her to play in this. And basically, Spring is about Evan, who is this guy who's just lost his mom to cancer, and he decide, and he just. Dis- Basically, gets in trouble with the cops, and he decides to (laughs) go on the run to Italy and live there for a little bit. And he ends like you do, and he ends up meeting Louise, played by Hilker, and you know they start to form this romance, and it's all nice and great for a little bit, for a few days, and then Evan discovers that she is hiding a very monstrous secret (laughs) (laughs) that tests the bounds of their "quote unquote." love. (laughs) So we are going to be spoiling everything about this movie once we get into it. It is streaming on Hulu, so you can watch it there. Uh, I believe I saw Shudder say that the other day that it should be coming back to Shudder by the time you're listening to this as well, so you can hopefully see it there too. But we are going to be spoiling everything, but we have a little bit of spoiler-free content first before we get into that, so we'll let you know when we're about to. Uh, So as far as releases go this week, actually a phenomenal uh, week for releases. I'm Some of these are great, and I'm, of course, very excited about one of them. But uh, first, it was a film called The Cursed, uh, which was originally titled Eight for Silver back when I saw it at Sundance last year. Uh, But this is a film that comes in the theaters on the 18th, and it's essentially a werewolf film that... I oh I forget what century it takes place during uh but it takes place in the past (laughs) and and I'm trying to think of how to describe it without really spoiling it but let's just say that it kind of goes back to your more sort of very gothic very atmospheric uh, traditional werewolf movie heavily involved in the idea of curses and stuff like that uh, to the point where they there's even like a little bit of. Kind of a nightmare in Elm Street DNA in this, where there's you know a curse kind of working its way through people's nightmares and stuff. All right. Um, there's a really terrifying scarecrow in this film. That
2: there's a that lot in this movie.
1: There is. It's uh, it's not perfect. When I first saw it, uh, some of the effects are a little. Left a little to be desired, uh, but it's but it's still a very cool werewolf film. I have heard that those have been touched up a little bit, so we'll see. But I really enjoyed this one, so definitely recommend checking that out if you can, if you feel safe in going to theaters, if it's playing at a theater near you. Next is a film called A Banquet, and this is on VOD on the 18th. Uh, this one I really enjoyed as well. It's not going to be for everybody, though. I would say it's not for the weak stomached. It's basically, <laughs> or, or I would say it's not for the weak of stomach. Uh, it's basically about a uh, mother who has also just lost her husband to cancer, and <laughs> and uh, and she's left with a couple of daughters, a couple of teen daughters to raise. And after a, a strange encounter in the woods at a party one night, one of the girls comes home and is suddenly very different to the point where she is. Uh, refusing to eat, and, uh, you know, there's no, like, medical reasoning for it or anything. She just stops eating oh. uh, to the point where, you know, the mother even trying to get her to eat a single pea is, like, the most terrifying scene and most tense, like, moment ever.
2: <laughs> Over a pea? Um,
1: well, you know, the the film the, – so so why this film's not for everybody is it it does – You know, touch on themes of like anorexia, eating disorders, the pressure on teenagers, that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. as well as trying to get over the death of a loved one and how that kind of affects the family, right? Mm -hmm. And basically, like the whole thing is kind of—it's just very grim, uh, shocking, kind of hard to watch film at times because it it is so heavily involved with like depression and how that cell and how that in and of itself is kind of like a possession in a sense, Mm -hmm. um, and and sort of works its way through a family, so. It's it's a great movie. It's very well shot. The performances are excellent. Uh, it's just so grim and and a bit of an existential dread kind of movie that I'm not sure it's you for know everyone. I'm not sure it's for everyone. I'm not sure it's what you want to kick your weekend off with like a fun you know <laughs> party movie night. This is not this is not for that. <laughs> this is like a Sunday afternoon to watch. I need a bucket of ice cream afterwards kind of film, right? But but it's very good. So check that out. You can actually find my review uh, for both of those on KillerHorrorCritic.com. And then lastly, the big one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The new one comes to Netflix on the 18th. And yeah, (laughs) Woot. And this one, this one sees uh, it's sort of as far as I can tell, it's basically a direct sequel to the first film that kind of has had like old man Leatherface on the run. And he is, in fact, now an old man now Mm -hmm. and living in like this abandoned town and it involves, like, a bunch of influencers who come to the town, and then they encounter Leatherface and his family, <laughs> and the character Sally Haresty makes a return to get her vengeance on Leatherface, uh, you know, Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis style.
2: <laughs> I, I uh, love all these final girls just basically Sarah connor it. Yeah, Just I, becoming badasses in their old age.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that in this case, it makes absolutely no sense. No. Like, <laughs> where where we leave Sally in the end <laughs> of the first film is a character that I would never expect to set foot in Texas ever again. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of the trend right now is all these legacy character characters movies and their return and we want to just kind of shove them into a movie (laughs) uh to get to get that nostalgia factor going um that is not a knock though i'm very excited to watch this i think it looks fun uh i i think that everyone who is still complaining that these texas chainsaw massacre movies uh do not look or feel like the original have to just realize at this point it's been 40 years (laughs) more than almost 50 years we need to get over it and just accept that you're never going to get that magic in a bottle movie ever again.
2: <laughs> well, and no fucking shit, because that first one was so original and iconic. You can't hope to recreate how unnerving that movie was. So just give me blood and chainsaws and I'm happy.
1: Listen, a, a big part of the reason that that film was so. <laughs> was so just like insane. You know, it has to do with the shooting conditions and everyone just losing their mind on set. <laughs> like these are the sorts of things that you could not do through a production, like a big studio production, like any Chainsaw Massacre is going to be now, right? Yeah. They're, they're they're no longer these indie films shot on a shoestring budget with the director making people shoot in like 150 degree weather with oh. dead animal carcasses everywhere, right? So, <laughs> um, but anyways, that is not what this episode's about. We're nope. talking about monsters. So those are your in releases love. in love. So those are your releases for the week. Uh, so one last thing we would like to do before we get into the spoilers is the tagline for the movie and what we think of the film overall. So the tagline for Spring was, love is a monster. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So what do
1: you think of the tagline? What do you think of Spring overall?
2: I'm not laughing at the tagline. I'm yes, just, you are. <laughs> no, I'm laughing at how you say it because you say it perfectly every time. No, I think this tagline is perfect. I think that this tagline summarizes what this movie is about in a really succinct way. Because, yeah, this movie is about how love is a monster. I really like this film. I This is one of the ones I was super excited to watch this month because I hadn't mm. seen Spring yet. My horror education is 100% dependent on what Matt shows me. Um, yeah, I'm blaming <laughs> the blame at your door.
1: I, that, well, you can't you can't blame me for everything. I mean, yes, there's, I can. There's,
2: there's literally thousands
1: I'm your of, wife, thousands and thousands of horror movies you can't you can't point to me every time you haven't seen one and be like it's your fault yes i can <laughs> fine whatever
2: <laughs> i but no i was really excited to to watch this one and i wasn't disappointed for me this one is kind of in the same trend of i uh, am you know another horror creator that i really like which is the mike flanagan stuff mm,
1: because it's so conversational right yeah
2: like, I really dig, like, look, we know I don't like slow movies. We know I don't like movies where it's a lot of talking and well, not a lot of is, murder. Which is why
1: I'm surprised, because Spring is a just-under-two-hour film that is mostly deep conversations <laughs>
2: that's why this is my my example of how if your conversations are interesting enough if your dialogue is interesting and gripping and emotional enough then I'm really into it it's why I love all the like haunting at hill house television shows it's why I really like this one and well, why I want to watch the rest of their movies yeah
1: and I mean you know so th- this is a hit and miss kind of thing I think for for a lot of film goers and I get it look you know mm-hmm. it, 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 there, there are definitely you know sides to the horror fan base that like shit all over people who just want you know fun stupid <laughs> horror, um and and that's which, a is, whole other, which is me yeah and and that's a whole other conversation I'm not gonna get into right now but but I will just say you know th- there there is validity to both of that like mm-hmm. I th- I think that there's important stuff in basically every horror film that you can <laughs> kind of find things to relate to right or or that are commentaries on things. But mm-hmm. but I also get the fan base. It's just like you know, I I just love horror being dumb and fun, and I just want to turn my brain off and whatever. That that's totally fine. And but you know, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead are not their style of filmmaking is not typically for that group, right? Yeah. Because because if you watch any of their films, they are these very just unique kind of intimate human stories, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I love Spring so much because you know being a kid who was bullied growing <laughs> up, like I. I always, I always really saw myself in the monster, you know, like uh-huh. that. I, I think that there were a lot of uh, so-called monster kids growing up who, uh, you know, that's that's kind of how we watched films like these. You 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 didn't you don't watch Frankenstein or, or I didn't watch Frankenstein like you know rooting for the villagers or or Doctor <laughs> Frankenstein or whoever the hell in that movie. Yeah. I I I, I watch that film thinking like, man, I feel for Frank, I feel for Frankenstein's monster. Like that's the character that that I relate to and that I feel like, right? Mm-hmm. And and what's great about Spring is that even though we have this whole batch of movies like that, you know, like Creature from the Black Loon that we just talked about last week, even though we have this whole batch like that, it, it's still very rare that you really get, like, a a, a deep human intimacy with the monster, you know? Yeah. And and Spring is one of those films that does that where it's, it's actually, in this movie, easy to forget that Luis is... a a, like fucking sea monster crazy thing right so (laughs) that's true there
2: is not enough monster or blood in this film in this film (laughs)
1: Well It doesn't
2: need it, but I want well, it. <laughs> enough is
1: subjective, you know. Like it's could it have had more? Yes. Sure. Yes. <laughs> uh but 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 I think it has just just the right amount uh for this movie in particular. But but no, but yeah, there, there's an intimacy to it. It's very it's a very human film, right? And and I agree with you, like the comparison to Flanagan, because both like even though even though Flanagan is typically working with a way better budget than these guys um, <laughs> you know th- th- a, a similarity is that yeah they, they're both Benson and Moorhead and Flanagan are all these filmmakers that you know they tend to lean towards these stories that are are very human and that you know are, are more about the the emotional kind of horror and yeah. intimacy of the of the characters rather than you know the outside force like you know whenever you watch a flanagan show or film you know there's always the the vampire or the ghosts or whatever but mm. they're like the sidebar yeah they're to, not <laughs> super important yeah they're, they're the sidebar <laughs> to like the very deep
2: <laughs> <Personal> emotional <shit.
1: laughs> emotional descent that we're going through right <laughs> and, and yeah and that's and that's what benson morehead's work is a lot like too you know all, all of their films are like this they're very Philosophical and kind of, you know, peeling back the layers of different elements of what it means to be a human being and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, uh, so no, and, and that's a big part of why I love Spring. And you know, the tagline is whatever. I think the tagline <laughs> actually kind of cheapens what the movie is because, Aww. well, because because that that particular cheapen
2: you, uh, <laughs> <cheapin'> you, uh,
1: <laughs> that that particular tagline, you know, it's it's. It, I think it infers that the movie is more of a horror film than the romance with a monster that it is mm, I guess. <laughs> uh, be, because because i don't i don't really think spring ever really leans into horror that much um outside of a few moments but mm-hmm. anywho so one last thing i'll say about this before we get into spoilers for those who are maybe not quite sold on the film yet uh, if you've ever seen the film it's actually a a, a, a pair of movies before sunrise and i think it, and i think the sequel is either called after sunset or before sunset i don't i don't i don't remember which but but these are two movies that star uh Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy and they're basically i th- i want to say it's pretty similar i think it's about Ethan Hawke visiting a city and meeting a girl like the first film he meets this girl played by Julie Depi and uh they form a romance over one night and the whole thing is basically like is he going to stay and form a relationship with her or is he going to get back on that train and you know, go home the next day or something like that. So yeah. so this is very similar, only it takes place over a week instead of a day. Uh but it's very much similar vibe, very romantic, a lot of talking, a lot of intimate conversation. So anyway, the film is streaming on Hulu, so you can check it out there. Otherwise we we're about to get into spoilers now. So again, if you have not seen it, <laughs> go do it, because 'cause we're going to ruin everything. So <laughs> all right, so so let's let's start this off with um with I think the obvious, right? Which <laughs> is their relationship, the relationship yeah. between Evan and Louise and kind of the whole approach that Benson and Moorhead take to telling uh, a monster love story, you know, <laughs> so like just what stands what just what stands out to you what do what do you what do you see in their relationship with all this?
2: <laughs> all right, so I I am super torn on their relationship because if I'm just looking at it and ignoring the ending. I think that this is actually one of the more healthy relationships that we see in horror, oddly enough. Really? (laughs) I do. And I think that it's based on something that we don't also see a lot. And it's based on a mutual sense of loneliness. Mm. Like, I think that the two were drawn together because you have these two kindred spirits, whether they really want to admit it or not, who are completely adrift in the world. Like, Evan has just lost everything. He's lost his parents. He doesn't re- – his friends are kind of shitty. Like, they're good well. people, but they're, like, shitty friends. And then he just beat their shit out of a dude in a bar.
1: Well, he's a bum. His friends are bums, you know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he's – off trying to find himself and then you have louise who is you know this centuries old creature who has not had anything connecting her because mm. she you know rebirths herself she gives birth to herself every 20 years i
1: still don't fully understand it i don't
2: get it <laughs> listen
1: listen I, I am a horror <laughs> scholar i am not a scientist and i do not understand the science of of louise <laughs> i don't
2: i i feel like maybe she like cocoons herself and then she, like, bursts out of the goo as a new person.
1: No, there's no cocoon. We've seen what it is. She turns into a giant fucking monster and then it just, like, drips off her, like, skin snake. Exactly. So Or, <laughs> like, snake skin. <laughs> so I think
2: when she, like, you know, peels back all the goo, now she's new person.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Snakeskin, cocoons, whatever.
2: Whatever. But, you know, I think that we have these two people who are kind of bound together by this mutual sense of loneliness. who are just looking for some companionship. And look, they're super honest. The one thing I do like about them is like how they talk to each other. Evan's the type of male character that I feel like we don't see in, in film very often where he just feels very kind of True to life in a way.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you've got the the dudes that Evan runs into that <laughs> uh, I forget the name of the one, but where he's, I, I, uh, maybe it was Mike. I don't know. Where, where he where he's basically like, you're lucky you're with me because I'm a man who actually knows how to express my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> and unless oh,
2: the British dude he runs into. He, we never get his name.
1: Oh, maybe we don't. Yeah, but yeah. you know, but th- that's I mean, look, you know that that is uh, a huge difference really in mm. in just morehead and benson's filmmaking mm-hmm. and, and writing you know in benson's writing because you know so i i actually wrote about this a, a a long time well not a long time ago like maybe last year or the year before that but uh using using the mold of exorcist 3 and how
2: <laughs> i love you know, it for the male friendships well, well right
1: because it was all about the male friendships in that movie and and it's just it is something that's so kind of rare to see in film in general yeah. right which is just like Men willing to just like be themselves emotionally, right, mm-hmm. and, and actually express that kind of stuff, yeah, and express that loneliness and sadness and all that stuff. So, um, I wouldn't exactly say that the men are great at that in this film, <laughs> uh, but, they try but,
2: more. But
1: but it but it's actually talked about, which is mm-hmm. the difference. You know, yeah. we actually talk about male emotions and that kind of thing and and you do have those conversations with with evan and angelo the the farmer that he ends up living with played by francesco colonel uh you know where they they actually have these kind of conversations about like life and intimacy and that sort of thing and yeah Mm -hmm. we don't we just don't see men talk about that ever and it's why i like movies like this and it feels more modern because of that yeah because it is just being like you know, it, it's a horror film that's like, hey, not, dudes aren't just about <laughs> sex and drugs. Evan admits that they are and that that's most of what we think about. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say that that's not true. <laughs> but we are still humans underneath All of the hard-ons, you know?
2: (laughs) You still get that great beach scene where he's talking about like the death of his parents and what he's gone through and really kind of opening up to Luis. And there's no kind of moment where, you know, she's shitting on him. That's why I like their relationship. It's just the fact that they're both allowed to like be Human, they're allowed to make mistakes. They're allowed to like fly off the handle about things and still have a respectful relationship. Granted, it's well, only been a week, motherfuckers. we will
1: see. Well, I mean, but that, <laughs> but that's part of the thing, though. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know about you or the rest of you listening, but it's like, I can't, I can't recall anyone that I ever dated and in the first week we're like. Scream, arguing at each other, you know. So, like, yeah. I, 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 I think if that's happening, maybe they're not the one, you know. Like, right. like usually the first few dates are are supposed to be pleasant. So. <laughs>
2: to be fair, she's going through a pretty major change in her life. She's um, pregnant at this point.
1: No, she's pregnant after they fuck.
2: <laughs> yeah, but they fight after they fuck.
1: No, my point is, you're you're saying you're saying that like,
2: yeah, I I love their relationship
1: because it's all like nice and they're not like, you know, whatever and I'm I'm just trying to say like, well, I fucking hope not because, you know, if you're if you're having, you know, huge fights like a married couple after two dates, you know, it's just like maybe maybe not that one. You know, maybe maybe the next fish in the sea, you know? And I'm not saying those relationships can't work. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of people that have great marriages that you know, or great relationships like that. that started like that. I'm not I'm not saying it's a general given, but you know, but, but if you're yeah, if you're if you're having a screamy match, you know, like your second day, uh, move on. Um, but you know but but so this is why this is why I really this is kind of fun whispering because I think that on the surface it's I it's obviously very much a romantic film, you know. It, yeah. I, I don't think that Benson and Moorhead intend anything else other than for it to be uh, a touching, moving, like, genuine romance, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I really do think that that's what they're going for. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I the, the the fun thing here is that you could, if you were so inclined, look at the other side of Spring and kind of question a lot of the love and sort of look at it as, like, a question of our very idea of love You know, in in those first few weeks or months or even years of getting to know somebody, because, you know, Luis basically flat out admits of like, look what I do to flowers, motherfucker. I bring them back to life. (laughs) They they literally (laughs) bloom in my presence, you know, like, so who knows what the hell I'm doing to you? And, it, and it's so – so every time I see the first shot where Evan walks by Luis in that courtyard or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and it's like and, – and it's so beautifully shot, and it's slow motion, and the music's all, you know, nice and warm and romantic. And, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be played like this love at first sight kind of moment, and, and I just – I can't help but sort of think to myself, like, is this love at first sight – or is it love at first? Pheromone Smith, you know, like like is he just walking by her and being like, ooh, I'm in love now? Like, like, you know, it's it's kinda like if you're walking by like a bakery and like all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I need cake in my belly immediately, you know? Like, See
2: that I can relate to. Like
1: is he just walking by Luis and being like, holy shit, like marriage, babies, uh, living with the same person the rest of my life? I need that now. <laughs>
2: I mean, look. This is why I do kind of like the tagline because this is why I feel like the truth is that love is the monster in this film. It's not. So, so
1: you don't think it's supposed to be romantic? No. (laughs) So or happy or whatever. Oh, I
2: think that this is a tragic end. Like you think the, this is a
1: tragedy. This is a tragedy. This is a Greek tragedy. <laughs> this is a,
2: sure. I mean, it's she's not, Greek, that works.
1: Is she Greek? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah because she, she is, survived yeah. Pompeii. Yeah, so there, okay, yeah. So it's legitimately a Greek tragedy. I, can
2: I just <laughs> say, I love the fact that she compares being buried in lava to the pain of childbirth.
1: Well, she has that moment.
2: It, she's like, "My pain receptors are prepared for childbirth." So, lava—that's nothing. I'm like, "What the fuck is childbirth for you
0: guys?"
1: I'm <laughs> listen. I'm not a woman, but I can. <laughs> but I, I've seen the size of babies. You know, I I don't know how that shit comes out of you. <laughs> like,
2: any any—I don't ever want to know. <laughs>
1: (laughs) Being a woman is automatically, I have to imagine, just being like 10 times tougher than any man on the planet. Thank you. It is. I mean, for God's sakes, like you go like every time a man has a stuff. I'm sorry. This is so off topic, everybody. But it's like every time a man has a stomach ache, like myself included, we're like, oh, God, oh, my stomach hurts so much. Oh, need ginger ale. Give me the Tums. Oh, my God, this heartburn, you know. Like, we're such a little bitches about it, but then. You know, I shed women... a
2: fucking organ every right.
1: month. W- women bleed for like five days or whatever it is, you know? Like, you
2: guys. It's know? terrible.
1: Like, you know, so, so no, yeah, I find that amusing that she's like, lava? lava. <laughs> she's fucking Fuck nothing compared to a fucking 10 pound <laughs> mongoloid headed baby coming out of my cooch, you know?
2: <laughs> yes. Also, um. she
1: turns into a monster. I,
2: I, uh, yeah.
1: I, I do find it funny that she. You know, I find it interesting that she doesn't seem to be able to feel it sometimes. <laughs> like, like occasionally she does, where she'll, like, look down as if she, like, senses her leg is transforming. Mm-hmm. And she'll be like, shit. But then there's other times, like, when they're in the church and she looks at Evan and she's got her big googly eye.
2: <laughs> her zombie face. <laughs> and,
1: and she's just like, what, do you notice something? I'm like, I'm Luis, like, how do you not notice that one of your eyes is like the size of your head right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel Does that
1: not change your vision in any way?
2: <laughs> Apparently not. I mean, I feel like that kind of goes back to what you were just kind of talking about with, you know, women just having different pain receptors. Like, like I'm not going to lie. There's sometimes during the month where I'm just kind of like, yep, my body's just going to feel like this. Not going to worry about that right now. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem. But, you know, look, getting back to it, yes, I view this as a tragedy because, You know, could Evan and Louise potentially be a good couple down the line? Maybe, but yeah, Evan's forcing this. Like, you know, Louise has a great line when they're in, like, the church surrounded by dead bodies, where she just tells him straight up that he's rushing, you know, fatherhood, death. All of this stuff, and I think that's really you know the the tragedy with with this love and why you know I don't view this as necessarily a good thing is that this movie shows us over and over again how love can trap you into situations that aren't great. Like yeah. you know, Evan gives up college because his mom's dying and that's the right thing to do is to come home and take care of your family. But it's still giving up part of yourself for that love. Well, I, he's asking Luis to fucking <laughs> die for him. He's known this well, bitch five days. Okay,
1: I, I want to get to the eternity <laughs> thing in a second, but before I forget, you know, I'm glad you bring up him coming home for his mom mm-hmm. because, you know, look, let let's all be clear, okay? The the whole thing with him and his mom in the beginning is not just there for you know for for uh, for extra meat on the script, right? It's <laughs> it, it's 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 there because. I think you're right. Like, I do think that there is this undertone of, is this kind of love actually healthy? Because, you know, when when you think about him coming home for his mom, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the right thing to do. And I'm not going to quarrel with the morality of him coming home versus not coming home, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. people got to make the decisions that work for them. But there is still the thing, though, of, like, he gave up his – potential future to, yeah. to go take care of his mom right you know yeah. and 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 so it's you know <laughs> i do think that there is some of that playing into this because you are talking about Luis like once he discovers that she is this monster that transforms every 20 years into a new person and is immortal mm-hmm. you know what and and the only way that that will ever stop is if she falls in love and once you start looking at him asking her to basically give up immortality. Well, he's asking for, her to die. Right, he's basically asking <laughs> her to die for him, right? Yep. Because, because because for all they know, you know, she's going she's going to fall in love with him and not transform and give up her immortality and then she's going to get like, I don't know, like a fucking like two hundred pound seagull is gonna drop out of the sky and crush her or something the next day, <laughs> and she's just and she's just gonna be dead. Two hundred pound seagull. <laughs> I'm just trying to do the dumbest thing I can, and it, you know, like, but you get my point. Like yeah. she, like she could literally, like maybe, maybe like that night after she doesn't transform they go and have, like, a meal and she chokes on a fucking cherry seed, you know? like, right. Like, it's, you know, oh, so, but, so... but
2: don't worry. He's willing to give up cigarettes for her. If oh, she's willing to die big, for him, he'll give up cigarettes. Big, big <laughs> move.
1: Big move, Evan. Round, round of applause. Round of applause. Round of applause. Locker. You quit cigarettes. And, and sh- all she had to give up was fucking... Everything. 10,000 10, years of life. <laughs> But, but you know, obviously playing into that, though, is this – you know, is the concept of, well, what's more worth it, right? Living mm-hmm. or the love itself. And and I think the counterpoint to that argument that, that we're having here is the character of Angelo because, you know, you see him as this uh, this old guy who lost his wife – we don't really know how long ago – to a car accident. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of set on, like, you know – that was his love. Yeah. You know, that was going to be his only love. And mm-hmm. now he's just kind of existing, but not really living, you know? So yeah. so there is the counter argument to this, which is that, well, is it really living if you don't have that companionship? You know, yeah. like like if you're just drifting through the world by yourself for thousands and thousands and thousands of years mm-hmm. um, just fucking random people and getting drunk and <laughs> smoking without ever having to worry about cancer. I mean, look, all this sounds great. This on the sounds surface, amazing. But, uh, but but underneath it is, you know, are, are you really living, though, if you don't have anyone to share it with?
2: <laughs> I shouldn't say ugh to my husband, but. Yeah,
1: you should not. <laughs>
2: you Get a divorce right now. <laughs> No, I think that this kind of goes back to like, again, that beginning scene with the mom, because what it really opens with is her asking Evan the quintessential question of this entire movie. Are you happy? And I think that's what all of our characters are trying to figure out because we have constant conversations about this, about, you know, the difference between, you know, professional success versus, you know, actually living and experiencing life. You know, we have Evan and Luis are arguing the difference the different points of having a finite life and what's the benefits of that versus having an infinite life, mm. and I think that it is the constant question throughout this movie that has no right answer or wrong answer. Is are you happy?
1: I disagree. I well, uh, I don't. Okay, Dude, that's I, because
2: I, you don't view it as a tragedy. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. no, no. I, I, I maybe, maybe saying I disagree is though. Maybe I didn't quite hear you right, but. Uh, oh, the way I look at it is as far as the whole conversation about living versus not living, you know, mm-hmm. it, the major, a major theme of this movie is, uh, is living to work and, and just living life, you know, yeah. living life for love. Cause there's that, I, I want to say that it's Evan who in the end says something about, you know, how you can, uh, work to live or live to work or whatever, but mm-hmm. that, you know, you can give it all up for the right person. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's something that, The filmmakers are kind of touching on too, which is particularly interesting, you know, since they're independent filmmakers themselves and Spring was their second movie. It it was the film that really made them blow up or or become much more well known uh, amongst fans, you know, the resolution was their their introduction to the scene and their, and their uh, arrival. But spring was kind of the movie that made more people take recognition of them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the, the point is they're, they're do it yourself filmmakers who are working really hard to, to have this career. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of fun. Cause you, I think you can see a little bit of that, you know, maybe coming from a personal place with them into the film, because there is this whole kind of thematic of like, well, you know, is it is all the work you do to to live is like living just to work or whatever mm-hmm. is that is that actually living like if you're spending every day just going to work coming home and rinse and repeat over and over and over again that's all you do is work then is that actually life you know yeah. and and you know it's I, I i think it's why angelo maybe now is such a hard worker because he's lost the love <laughs> So now he doesn't really have anything else uh, yes. that he's kind of living for besides work. So,
2: <laughs> See, my takeaway from it is that you need balance, that you can't, you can't live for one thing or the other. I think that for me with this movie, it's really saying, it, you know, the mentality that we're raised in America is very unhealthy where you have to work. Like Evan has the most depressing line at the beach well, where he says, you know, am I a sociopath for, you know, wanting to grieve my mom when I should be working?
1: Well, well, look, so so <laughs> I, I did read an interview with the filmmakers where mm-hmm. they say that the, the movie is not necessarily intentionally anti-American. You know, mm-hmm. like they're not trying to make a point about being anti-American. Mm-hmm. They, I, I think the response was basically just that, well, we're, we're shooting a film in Italy and, you know, Italy hates <laughs> foreign <laughs> tourists, particularly <laughs> Americans. And uh, Americans are traditionally pretty fucking obnoxious as tourists. So, So I don't think it's... Purely like anti-American, but you know. I do think there are a lot of like anti-America kind of commentary in the movie because yeah, that that is a thing that I thought about a lot watching this film is that concept that like you know in America we're basically working like work until your flesh is peeling off your bones yeah. you know <laughs> oh, and, and 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 you can't consider yourself like like we have this sick part we have this sick part of ourselves in America that there's like this there's like this idea that you're not actually doing anything or succeeding or whatever unless you work 24 hours a day, not even sleep. You have to be. You have to. (laughs) If you're not sleeping, standing up and typing while sleeping somehow, like you're, you're, you're not, you're not. You're not
2: accomplishing anything. Yeah, (laughs) you're, you're worthless. It's this weird pain Olympics. You are scum. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I. It's one of the things I really like about this film is that you have a character like Evan who is touting, you know, those ideals that you're supposed to work. You're supposed to work hard, and basically saying, "Oh, the world wouldn't have an iPhone if America didn't have the." this weird insistence and on work. fuck the
1: iPhone. Oh, yeah. I'd rather fuck not it. have the iPhone. I
2: want flip phones back. <laughs> I don't
1: even want flip phones. I want my fucking landline so I can live <laughs> so I can live in peace and pretend like phones don't exist whenever somebody calls me if I want to do something else.
2: All right, grandpa. That,
1: I don't care if I sound like a grandpa. I'm just listen, we <laughs> We live in this world right now Okay, totally off topic. We live in this world right now where it's like, you know, you have to be available 24-7. Speaking Mm -hmm. of the work uh, commentary in this. You have to be available 24-7. Yeah. That's not fucking living. No. I want to I wanna be able to go to Italy and just disappear for a day without, oh God, yes. without 30 people being like, where are you? You didn't <laughs> respond to my text right away about which is better, nacho Doritos or spicy Doritos? You know? Obviously
2: like, spicy Doritos.
1: I thought you were dead. You know. It's like, motherfucker, I don't care. Let yep. me have a few hours to myself. <laughs>
2: well, and for me, that's what I feel like this movie is getting at. It's just like, you can't have that work mentality because that's not healthy, but you also can't like you know live for one person because again, Evan's asking Luis to die well, for according him. According to
1: Evan, you can live for no, one. person. No, <laughs> that is a terrible
2: <laughs> idea, and I disagree. That is the tragedy of this. You have to find balance.
1: Well, you do have to find balance. I, I don't. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Americans really quick, though, because I do love. That you have those, like, total... Or the super
2: shitty ones? The,
1: there's the two super shitty Americans in this movie that would totally be Trump voters. where <laughs> The one guy's wearing, like, the, the flag bandana and the flag shorts or whatever, and he's like, Oh, say can you see my giant dick? Or whatever, you know? God, I love that guy dies. <laughs> I'm so glad that he's the only death in this movie. <laughs> but But look, you know, okay yeah okay well, speaking of the guy dying and 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 Luis and what Evan wants from her, so yeah Evan is asking this woman to give up immortality, yep to be with him, and before before we get more into that because that that's a whole thing is is you know i i I love uh Morehead and Benson's approach to Luis and her uh monstrous secret because. <laughs> Because you know, I, I think in an I think in another interview they said that they uh, you know they they essentially wanted to do some they wanted the challenge of a more unique monster, you know, because this isn't the first time we've seen a story like this in the world of horror and monsters. You know, mm-hmm. I mean there are fucking tons of vampire movies that are the same goddamn thing, <laughs> uh, and, and werewolf films, and you know we we've seen this with other monsters, mm-hmm. but they wanted the challenge of creating something different for this and i love i love what they came up with for Luis because you know it's really it's really fun watching her go through the film and kind of seeing how things change a little bit you know so if you look at this idea that she's kind of like a concoction of uh Louise germs mixed with you know every fucking dude she's ever slept with which my god that's a lot of personality <laughs> to shove in the one person um but she <laughs> uh but but it's fun cuz you see her kind of like Herself change a little bit throughout the movie, like, mm-hmm. and it's little things, you know. It's nothing, it's nothing big, and it's really nothing too out there that you probably wouldn't see a typical uh, woman do on different dates or, or men do or whatever. Where you know, it feels like every date that we're seeing her, she looks a little bit different. Like her, her out, her clothing's a little bit different, her hairstyle's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like she's taking on kind of different personalities. Uh, I love that she's wearing the red dress when Evan meets her because to me, red is the color of run. <laughs> you know, red red is like the seductive, I'm gonna eat your heart <laughs> kind of color.
2: Yeah, I'm not allowed uh, red dresses in the house. Matt just runs the other way.
1: It's true, yeah. No, we have we have uh, me-shaped holes in the wall, because every time Chris walks out in one, I'm like, fuck, and I, you know, like run through the patio door. Um but she uh but but no, but she, you know, she's changing throughout. And it also feels like the more that evan kind of gets to know her and the more that maybe she's sort of falling for him i feel like you also see the monster come out more mm-hmm. you know and so maybe that speaks to the whole idea of the you know love is a monster kind of thing <laughs> and 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 looking at love as being this sort of dangerous thing mm-hmm. uh because the more that they are becoming intimate the more that that part of her comes out you know
2: yeah Well, just because the way that I kind of view it in terms of that is, you know, as you're getting to know someone, as you're falling in love with someone, if you're really going to love them, you have to accept all parts, the good and the bad. And the more you fall in love and get to know someone, the more you see the shitty sides of them. Mm. Like, you know, them like leaving dirty dishes everywhere, you know. Just
1: describing yourself here. (laughs)
2: Look, I am a trash monster and I own it at least. My, My
1: wife, as she likes to call herself, is what? three raccoons in a trench coat? I'm three
2: raccoons in a trench coat. I Yeah, I have a lot of not great trades, but... You we know, all do. Yeah, but that's the thing.
1: Some of us are monsters on the inside or I wish, outside. I
2: wish I was. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, wish I, I wish I was a
1: mutating <laughs> sea monster. <laughs> okay,
2: she has fucking tentacles and a tail. That is so fucking dope. Why would I not want that?
1: I mean, listen, if you've got a tail that can instantly castrate men, I mean, that's a huge plus. <laughs> that's
2: amazing. I would love to have that at the shop some days. But look, the way that I actually view you know, transformations, everything like that, is what she says is that you know it's all the cast-offs from evolution, right? It's all the pieces that we dropped is what she kind of transforms into. And I think that that's fascinating. Like If you actually look at like humans and things like that, is that we are all what Louise is. We are all just a set of... Tra-
1: We're all sea monsters?
2: Yes. <laughs> I mean, technically can we evolved from the fucking fish thing.
1: Get out of here. We
2: evolved from the fish thing. I am the fish thing that walked our land and then turned into no, monkeys I, and then we turned into No, monkeys. I under I
1: understand evolution <laughs> and all that, but...
2: <laughs> no, but I mean, think about how fucking cool that is and how cool that Luis can tap into that is is the fact that we all are a product of, like, all of these things passed down. Like, look, I have blue eyes and that is super hard to get because it's a recessive gene. So it takes, like, all these other weird things. And, like, that's why I think that Luis's monster form isn't necessarily scary so much, but he This weird kind of celebration. I would to
1: differ if I ran into that thing in real life.
2: (laughs) I love her monster. Like, she's got cool tentacles. She's got weird chicken legs. She's got a tail. I want the monster to be my friend. It's a
1: cool monster, but you are not going to sit there and tell me that you would not be terrified of that if you walked in on her. The look that, look, both of them are great actors, and the look Mm. on Evan's face. Uh, the look on Pucci's face when he walks in and sees her as a monster is like priceless. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that, that's like you know, in dating terms, that's like the first time that you see the person when they're sick, you know, and, Yes. You know, like it reminds me of that 70s show episode where Ash and Kutcher walks in on Mila Kunis and she's, and she's got a cold and it's the first time he's ever seen her sick. And like her nose is all snotty and her hair is all messed up. And he's like, Aah! I just like start <laughs> screaming. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's seen, it's seen the, the grosser, yeah. uh, darker sides of each other.
2: But evidently steps up and gives her medication so she can turn back into the hot model she is.
1: Indeed, but look so. So again, I, I, I love the approach to her though because she, I, I I love I love that they take this scientific approach to Louise as opposed to right. the supernatural because, again, it, it it further hits home the the kind of exploration of doing something more unique and not just settling for your traditional romantic gothic monster movie, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're you know the, the questions come into play about like god and creationism and all this kind of stuff and and that it's very subtle in the film but but i but i like that it's kind of you know in a sense it's kind of talking about love with her uh affliction mm-hmm. because love itself is sort of this thing that we all kind of have different viewpoints on right whether yeah. it's whether it's you sort of believe in the supernatural kind of element of it of like we're all we're all meant for somebody and and we're all you know destiny soulmates
2: and love at first sight destiny
1: and fade and love at first sight you know but but the film's playing with that exactly because it's talking about you know like love at first sight for example like i said when he first meets her Mm -hmm. or, or sees her in the red dress is it love at first sight or is it her fucking, you know... Pheromones. Or is it her fucking, I'm going to murder you pheromones, right? Like
2: She doesn't you know. want to murder him. She just wants to fuck him, get his DNA, so that she can move on with her life. Evan's oh. the one that stuck around.
1: Oh, she wants to eat him, all right? Let's be, <laughs> let's be honest. I think Louise secretly eats the men afterwards like a praying mantis. She's, I don't think she's a
2: praying mantis.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't really either. But the point is, is that you know, the the film is exploring love through both avenues. So you can kind of, you can kind of take what you want from it, depending on your viewpoint of love, because it's either looking at it like a fate supernatural kind of whatever thing, Mm -hmm. or it's looking at the scientific side of it. Like maybe I don't love you because of your personality. Maybe I love you because your pheromones are like (laughs) just the right kind combination for my nostrils, Right. Like, like my nose loves you.
2: (laughs) So are you Evan or Luis in this situation? Evan believes in true love and connection and all that kind of stuff. And Louise does it.
1: I don't believe in any of that shit. I just. <laughs>
2: believe- <laughs> I'm neither. Cause I'm mad and I'm cool.
1: I just, I, I just, I just believe if I, if I like or love you, I like or love you. And that's, I, I don't, I don't know that it has much to do with science or fate. So. <laughs> Um, maybe science at first, but, Mm. but no, but, and they humanize her like, you know, uh, and they really make her feel like a human being instead of a monster, you know, like just human being. I know she's a human being, (laughs) but like just putting the the frowny face on her, on her her bottle that she, that she takes a syringe from. It's like, that's such a human thing to do. You know, she doesn't feel evil. She doesn't feel like
2: she's not,
1: (laughs) I know, Chris, that's what I'm trying to say. She doesn't feel like that. You know, she's not approached like. Uh, a a monster you know she's Mm -hmm. not approached that way she and and it's such a beautiful kind of commentary because or a beautiful approach to the idea of love in general because even if we're going to talk about this like maybe it's a tragedy maybe it's not there's still a really beautiful message at the core of it that i absolutely adore which is that when when you look at her her affliction and kind of what it is the idea of you know birthing herself uh, which is weird (laughs) but but the idea but the idea of actually like becoming a whole new body you know Mm -hmm. and and becoming a whole new person i kind of i kind of like the even though it doesn't completely follow through on this because she doesn't transform i kind of like the inherent sort of message behind that which is this sort of thing that i think and just about any of us can find some relatability through it you know whether whether it's uh your your sexual identity your gender identity uh your, your your personality you know just like anything that you that you're you're frightened to show a partner or 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 you know frightened to reveal or you know anything like that and and from the partner's perspective you know of like Uh, showing their reaction to it it kind of see it kind of feels like this beautiful thing of like she literally reveals herself to be a fucking tentacled monster (laughs) that's going to transform into a whole different woman and evan's like all right (laughs) (laughs) i you know it's just such this beautiful thing of like you know this happens in relationships all the time like people reveal themselves to to identify with a different gender or some or, or sexuality or something like that and there's always that fear of like you know, rejection from the partner. And in this case, it's kind of this beautiful thing of like, hey, it's about the person on the inside, not the fucking scaly monster (laughs) on the outside or whatever you want to call it, right? So
2: It is the one thing I do really like about Evan. This is why I said that I like their relationship is because it is honest. And because a lot of the times, Evan is honest about how he feels. He admits when he's scared. He admits when he doesn't understand something. But then he always follows it up with, you know, But tell me about it. Explain it to me. Talk to me about this thing so that I can understand. I'm not running, but I need you to tell me about this. And Mm. like, I do think that that's really beautiful.
1: Yeah, for sure. Although not so beautiful is how awkward they are in their dating because (laughs) (laughs) um, I still can't get over the fact that I mean, him saying that her backstory is a little bit like Harry Potter is They do not
2: understand literature.
1: No, no, no. Him saying the Harry Potter thing is like, uh, okay, I mean, fine. I mean, uh, not very accurate, but still. But her referring to the fact that his dad died of a heart attack and his mom just died from cancer a week ago is like the same as Batman. I just want to be like... Louise, you, <laughs> you have been around for thousands of years, and the Batman story at this point has been told like a thousand times, you know? I'm so, so
2: fucking I'm, sick of those so, pearls.
1: We're all sick of the pearls, Chris. We're all <laughs> sick of them. <laughs> and, and just like, how the fuck does she not know Batman? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, Batman
1: is not just that his parents died.
2: <laughs> you know, I actually kind of fucking love that about her. I'd like to bring her to my comic book shop and have her explain Batman's origin story. I, I, I guess that'd be great. <laughs> I
1: guess the thing that I do like about that is it's like, okay, she's been around for fucking thousands of years, but she still doesn't even know Batman. She you know? still so, doesn't give a fuck so, about so, Batman. <laughs> so even after thousands of years, well, yeah, she doesn't give a fuck about Batman, or it's like, or or it's like, hey, after thousands of years, you know, you still got plenty you can do and learn. So. <laughs> <laughs> but look, okay, you know, but, but I, I want to go back to the idea of this being a tragedy really quick before we wrap up here because i just think it's a really interesting idea you know on whether or not this film is a tragedy or a love story because <laughs> or both because you know it was interesting to me watching this and and thinking about that and thinking uh, you have all this imagery uh, of like insects and and reptiles and <laughs> death you know and, and and but then but then of course alternatively to that there's the springtime image or there's there's uh, there's imagery like waves and flowers blooming and stuff like that. Yeah. And so there's kind of this alternative life uh, and death sort of thematic, mm-hmm. and about you know the sort of idea of how with every death comes a new life, and that's kind of what Luisa's affliction is,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: with the fact that she becomes a new person every time she dies. Yeah. And and there's and that also plays into the fact that you know uh, Evans. Uh, the death of his mother leads to his new life, where he's no longer trapped working, and now he's like met Luis and
2: wanted by cops in two countries. I'm not saying it's
1: perfect <laughs> life, but no, <laughs> but the, but the idea is, you know, like with, with every death is a new life, and yeah. that and that and that can be figuratively and literally, you know, where it's like the the death of his life as a as a fucking you know alcoholic working at a restaurant taking care of his mom. <laughs> Uh, with her death is is something new, right? Yeah. Um, so there's all that imagery, but but all of the like bugs and reptiles and death and stuff. You know, there, there's a slight sort of sinister element to it because you know uh, bugs and reptiles are typically viewed as more of like you know dangerous and yeah. and and primal and animalistic, you know. And so so is it is it kind of like a clue that he's being you know. Dr- that he that he's being taken into like this dangerous relationship Do you still <laughs>
2: think he's gonna get eaten
1: I'm not saying hes no I don't mean that particularly I'm just I'm just saying d- talking about the idea of love and 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 this particular love that's got taken place over a matter of days mm-hmm. you know is it healthy or is it not you know
2: oh it's here's the thing I don't think that it's healthy based on the end. I think that you know if Evan and Luis actually had time, I think that they could have a really good, healthy relationship. But they're rushing everything in five days and forcing Louise to basically make a decision about, you know, whether she dies or not. Mm. And that's the part for me that, like, doesn't feel super healthy. Like, there's, you know, she she sums it up really well in the car when she asks Evan, when Evan's just like, no, I love you. I know that I love you. And she's just like, have you never been in lust with someone before? And, like, then it passed. Mm. And I think that's the big question, that because this is all so quick – that we have to ask whether this is you know you know tragedy or a well, what sex- do you think
1: we keep it we keep saying I what think it it's th- a
2: tragedy uh. but but that's because for me personally I don't think you can know someone in five days I don't believe in love in first sight oh the I, hell
1: you can't yeah <laughs>
2: yeah I, I don't believe that you can fully understand another person and fully love them in a way that makes it worth giving up your entire lifestyle for I think that that's crazy. Like I think that that's so bonkers and even if this movie is trying to tell you to live life and enjoy everything, like I think that that, that concept of Evan asking this woman he barely knows to not only like give up her immortality but be pregnant with a kid is mm. so much to fucking ask someone that you don't even really know yet. And so for me that's why I think that it's it's a tragedy and that's why I think that, you know, Going back to the main point that love is a monster because, you know, people will trap you in these, these. Bi- these binding terms of love and endearment when that might not be the case. Well, I
1: mean, isn't that what Evan's doing to her?
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. That's why, for me, I don't think that Luis is ever Evan's the Evan's like, monster. you
1: don't really love me if you don't give up eternity for me.
2: Right? <laughs> like, it's it's so, like, bonkers and huge. And that's why, for me, like— And, look, like, we're
1: making fun of it, but, I, but we love this movie. I, like, I love <laughs> this
2: movie so much. But, like, that's why, for me, it's so iconic that, like, the volcano erupts at the end. You
1: know Listen, every time a volcano erupts, a monster gets its human skin. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the moral of
2: <laughs> Oh see, I just I just view it as like the earth being like, this is a travesty.
1: <laughs> well, okay, the, the volcano thing too also made me think of like how Angelo has the line where he says something about how a volcano makes good soil. It does. And, well, okay, fine. But it made me think to myself of like, <laughs> is this an implication that Luis is like good soil as in as in like good soil to like grow a life in
2: (laughs) i mean i'm not gonna lie i legitimately had the same thought considering that she's a child of pompeii which means she would have been covered in like that volcanic ash and maybe that's why she can like manifest all these different things is because like she got covered in that nutrient rich soil and now she's just bursting with possibilities
1: I mean, something, something uh, to this idea of tragedy and not, you know, I just, I just, I, I like, even though this isn't really what I believe the film's doing, I, I do like the idea that it is manipulating everything, include like, Evan and, and the audience, mm-hmm. uh, and even Luis to a sense, because the, the film is also so, like, beautifully bright, you yeah. know, like, like, it's shot so well, and honestly some of the cinematography I'm just incredibly impressed by like the one shot where, uh, where they're following the, the blood stains on the walls through the alley Mm -hmm. and then, and the camera's going for the alleyway and then just like jumps over the railing (laughs) into the abyss, you know, like that's a pretty fucking impressive shot on a low budget. You know and I'm Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't remember exactly how they did that. I'm sure it was a drone or something, but it's beautiful. And, and anyway, everything is coated in just like this kind of bright light. And, To be honest, that's kind of their filmmaking style, that that's how they shoot a lot of their work. But in this particular film's case, I like the sort of brightness of it, because it not only does it, you know, attribute itself to spring Mm -hmm. and kind of reflect that and the whole idea of life and beauty and all that, but there's also a kind of subtle manipulation to it, because with everything so bright, you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is cheery, this is romantic, this is nice, this is gorgeous, you know, this is like for the best. Like you're thinking all of those things. But you kinda have to ask yourself, well, like, is that my light pheromones <laughs> reacting, you know, to, to all of this? Uh and and in real in in reality, it's all kind of awful that Evan's like asking her to give up eternity and mm-hmm. that he is committing himself to a lifetime with a monster, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Or that or that or that basically the two of them are are deciding to have this eternity together when they just fucking met, you know? Like, mm-hmm. for God's sakes, like, I don't know, fucking get an apartment together for <laughs> for a few weeks before you decide that, you know, you're ready to just like die for one another? Like, <laughs> no, in this universe,
2: there is no apartment sharing. There is only there's only bonded marriage.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so you know, so you have to ask yourself, like, am I being manipulated? Are the mm-hmm. characters being manipulated? Or or is this all like for real? You know, it's that science versus supernatural. Concept of love, all that stuff, you know. So I, I just think that's interesting. Personally, I don't necessarily think it's a tragedy. I do mm-hmm. think it's meant to be this beautiful love story. Yeah, about that's fi- fair. About finding the, you know, the the person that's underneath the things that scare us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's all very nice and romantic. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, but I, but I do definitely think that there is that undertone to it if you want to take it that way, <laughs> which is that <laughs> listen, love is fucking scary. Yeah, and and love isn't always uh, healthy, and maybe theirs is not. And quite honestly, again, I don't think you should be giving up eternity for someone you just met after five days. <laughs> no,
2: absolutely not. I do think they're gonna make it, though.
1: Are you kidding me? They're definitely not gonna make it. Like,
2: <laughs> okay, I love the fact that I'm like, this is a tragedy, but I think they might make it work. And you're like, fuck no, they're not. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's a,
1: but I don't think it, I don't think it's a tragedy if it doesn't work. It's a tragedy for Louise because she gave up a fucking eternity to yeah. be with this guy. Uh, I, I don't consider it's a tragedy if it doesn't work or not. It's a tragedy if one of them dies, or if it's dark. But, no, why, I, why I'm why i not so sure that they make it, cause it's because, like, I mean, can you can you just imagine their dinner conversation after, like, five years? You know, Louise is sitting here telling stories about how she, like, fucking, you know, uh, f- fucked, like, roomfuls, rooms full of whores with Caesar or something like that. <laughs> or, like, she's talking about, like, these big escapades she went on with Caesar. And, and then Evan's, like, Telling the same story about how he got drunk one time and made like a snow angel, you know.
2: <laughs> That's why it's you like... you shut up and you listen to Luis's amazing story. She sounds like an amazing wife. Yeah, well, I feel I like, would marry Louise. Yeah, well, I
1: feel I feel like Louise probably wants you know to to like get go on some, adventures. You no, know, to get some of those stories back. I, the the point ah. that, the point that I'm trying to make is like. Luis has just had such a full life, mm-hmm. and Evan is just so boring that it's like
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like so you know, provincial. Is she is she really going to be satisfied satisfied
1: with, that? with Evan after a little while? You know, no. or or is she just like, hey, I met a nice guy, and this is kind of nice for a little bit until it's not. <laughs>
2: Pretty much. I mean, I do like what she says about relationships and it's what I personally believe and it's what I feel like Matt and I kind of have is the way that Louise describes their relationship is that when she met Evan, it was easy and then it continued to be easy and that's why she likes being with him. And I think that's such an important messaging with relationships is that it shouldn't. Necessarily be hard, and they go through hard things. But the fact that she still describes it as easy, I think, is so fucking awesome. And I think that's the most romantic line in this entire movie.
1: But I know it all, it's dumb,
2: but but is it
1: also naive because she's never felt love before?
2: I feel like like <laughs> maybe I, it's
1: kind of naive because she's never felt love before, and so she doesn't actually know how easy or difficult it is.
2: I mean, that is a totally fair especially point. when
1: she only seems to date guys for like five days. Get pregnant and then leave.
2: <laughs> I feel like she probably dates people in her middle ground time. I, you know, I think that it's interesting with, with Louise. I think that she probably has fallen in love, but she's more, she lies more to Evan than Evan lies to her. So I think she's got some secrets.
1: She said she never lies to Evan, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, at least she's a fucking liar. <laughs>
1: well, that is what a liar would say, isn't it? So. Yep. <laughs> All right, so I guess we do have to start wrapping up here. So... <laughs> Who is your killer idiot of spring?
2: <laughs> like the two of them, they're idiots. They just—they both are. Okay. They both are idiots. They just met. They haven't, to your point, they haven't even moved in together. They don't know what it's like living together. So yeah, dum-dums made a like a life changing decision in five days.
0: Oh, idiots. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, what are you
2: sixteen?
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's the point though, right? Is they're acting like a couple sixteen year olds, yep. like they. Like I think Evan is supposed to be twenty in the movie, and he feels like he's twenty, or yep. or twenty one, or whatever he says he is. But mm-hmm. but but they're they're both very young, and they both were well. She's is. not. Well, he's very young, but he, but he but they act like it. They act like they're that age, you know, of just yep. like just like oh, we're gonna have this big magical life together because we just met and we kind of like each other, you know. It's like <laughs> it's like no, you fucked. You made some soup. <laughs> you you had a nice dinner conversation. <laughs> But you have not—you have not experienced enough of life to know that it's worth giving up eternity for. It's a very sweet message. <laughs> I forgot
2: that you meant that they literally made soup, and I thought you were referring to the baby, well, <laughs> calling the baby soup.
1: They made soup in <laughs> in multiple ways. <laughs> you know, Louise makes her own soup. It seems every day. Uh, which which can be taken many ways as well. So, so listen, I'm just gonna say, uh, my killer idiot is obviously the American who tries to fuck Raper? Louis. Well, yeah, I, I was trying to be nice about the language, but <laughs> yeah, he tries to fuck her uh, or rape her in the alleyway. Like he's my killer idiot because fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck, fuck that guy. Fuck Americans in general. <laughs> like, and and I'm saying this as one. Like we suck.
2: <laughs> we get to say it because we're American. Yeah,
1: exactly. I get to I get to say that Americans suck because we do.
2: Yep. Yes, we do. <laughs> and every
1: country is right to to view hate us. us that way. Yep. <laughs> um, but what about your killer death of Spring?
2: Obviously the fucking tourist. Fuck that guy. I'm glad she ripped his dick off.
1: Yeah, it's funny because, you know, Spring, and honestly, a lot of their work, it, it never really gets very gruesome or anything for being a monster movie. Boo. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not that kind of movie. But but it, it never really gets that way. But I do like that the Really, like the one or two moments that they have are like fucking hardcore. Like, yeah, like that is some gruesome shit. Because even though we don't see it, the shot of the guy's dick just being ripped off <laughs> <laughs> and bloody is pretty great.
2: Yeah, no dick for you.
1: Yeah, no, no dick for that guy ever. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he was mine as well. Uh, what about your killer MVP?
2: Like, I'm going to give it to to Taylor Pucci for Evan just because, like, this might seem like a weird choice, but Kev, uh, because Evan is a, I think, a difficult character for a lot of male actors to play because he's kind of shitty, but super honest and genuine. And to do a character like that and make him feel real and like there is no I'm insincere feelings behind anything that he's doing, I think is very difficult. And he pulled it off. And I think the only reason why this movie works as a romantic movie is because Evan doesn't feel like a gross dude. And that's hmm. hard to do because dudes <laughs> are gross in movies.
1: Dudes are gross in general.
2: They are gross in general, but I was just going to go limit it to movies.
1: Yeah, no, I mean <laughs> dudes are just gross, period. Like, we're Okay,
2: <laughs> I, I know. I was just... But yeah, uh, I, I think that that's an accomplishment. I mean, the, the FX and all that kind of that stuff. He seems showered. He does not seem showered. <laughs> that dude is fucking filthy. He wears the same shirt throughout the entire movie, like a goddamn comic book character.
1: Indeed. Um. Look. So. So my, my mine's gonna go to to Hilker as Luis, and it's because I I do think that she has the more difficult performance in the movie, mm-hmm. because because Luis is you know L- Luis is playing someone with a secret. She, and, and, but most importantly, she. She's playing this role where she has to not only get Evan to love her for being a monster, mm-hmm. uh, but she has to get us to love her for being a monster, you know. And so, because it, it would be really easy for the audience to, and, and look, yes, most horror fans are going to love the monster, yes, period. because she's
2: amazing. But,
1: <laughs> but but it's really it's you know, but she has to. What she has to do is she has to get you to feel the the right sort of empathy for her, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you have to you have to feel that with Louise, it makes sense. That Evan is, you know, not running for his life, screaming the first time he sees her as a monster. Like you have to really believe that he is in love with this woman, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and that, she, and that she's worth, you know, the potential death that he might <laughs> yeah. succumb to in dating her. So, so I think she has a really difficult role in that sense, but she achieves it because you know Hilker just has this sort of like magnetism to her where you know you you feel like she is very genuine and sweet and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but is also dangerous, you know. Like you sense that monster part of her, but it doesn't. It doesn't overwhelm the better parts of her, right? So, yeah. uh, so no. So I think. Listen, I think either one of them could uh, easily take home the MVP award. I think they're mm-hmm. both great performances in this film, uh, but she, hers just stood out just that much more to me. So, yeah. but all right. So one last thing we like to do before we fully wrap up here is every week on Twitter, we like to put up a poll on our Twitter at Killer Critics, just kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between Love It, It's Fine, Don't Like It, and Never Seen It, where do you think the audience falls on? This one.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with Like It. And Ah.
1: Uh, <laughs> so, so no. So this is, this is a very beloved movie, actually, from okay. those who have seen it. But it's also a very underseen film.
2: That's where so, I was kind of on the line with it.
1: Yeah. So 30.2% Love It, 17.5% Say It's Fine, uh, 3.2 percent say don't like it and 49.2 percent say never seen it Aww. so so it, it you know it is one of those underseen movies it's a mm. little indie film you know like i said little do-it-yourself film um but most of the people who have seen it are like yeah that was a great fucking movie you know because it is it's not I, I don't think it's the film that you think it's going to be when you first sit down for it you know because you Agreed. hear you hear like monster love story and you expect a whole lot of monster, and it's not really that particularly. Mm-hmm. But once you watch it, you're like, wow, that's just a really good movie. You know, just a really good conversation.
2: Yeah. It was inc- it was the opposite of what I thought this movie was going to be, and I still ended up loving it.
1: Right, exactly. So uh, so anyway, so we also – we didn't get many comments for this one because, of course, you know – People of, haven't seen it. Many of you <laughs> haven't seen it. Uh, but I do have one comment here from – and this is on Twitter uh, from at Epic Film Guys – so that's E P I C Film G U Y S Epic Film Guys, and they say I found it to be a very solid flick up until the ending. So, 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 which I think is valid because yeah. I, I think that, I think that when, well, of course it's valid. Everyone's opinion is valid, but <laughs> I, I think that when you see this ending. You know, it can, it does have the potential, I think, to not satisfy. Because mm-hmm. not only do you not get a giant monster like we all want. <laughs> I want
2: the fucking giant monster. Evan sees the monster. But, I want to see the monster.
1: But but I but I do think, as we were discussing the episode, it just leaves you with that question of, like, you, you're almost, like, mad. Because you're like, no, Luis. No. <laughs> do not give up eternity <laughs> for this man. <laughs> Turn into your new self and continue dating or something, but don't give up eternity for him. You yeah. just met, <laughs> you and, and I, 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 you know, I'm not saying that that's why a big film guys maybe didn't like the ending, mm-hmm. but I think, I think that's where I could come from it, come from it with is why it is why I like the ending, but where it could have a problem in my opinion.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. It's the ending I think is the difficult part because it depends on how you viewed the entire film and what kind of ending you want to come out of it. For me, the first time I watched it, I didn't even know what the ending was. Like I eventually turned. What does that mean? Well, remember I turned to you, and I was just like, did she give up immortality, or is she a new person? What's well, that's, she turn that's to a your monster? fault? The film's <laughs> the
1: film is pretty clear about what happened.
2: Okay, maybe I'm just an idiot. But even if it's clear about what's happened, it's still it leaves a little bit. It doesn't feel completely closed. Like, is it weird that there's a part of me that like I just need them to kiss. Like is that weird?
1: Yes, because they already fucked in the movie. So I, I don't, don't give know, a shit about I don't them. Know why you need to see them kiss? Because this <laughs> is
2: after the transformation. It's like a reaffirmation that despite all of it, they're in this together. Not this, just them like looking sappy so, at each other while a volcano so, goes off in the background. So,
1: so him holding her hand while she was transforming into a monster during a volcano going off isn't enough for you to be like, what is in this, this? Pride together? and Prejudice?
2: No kiss, motherfuckers.
1: What is this? The fourteen hundreds? <laughs> Fucking. Smash faces like a Ken and Barbie doll. Exactly. (laughs)
2: Yes, I'm glad you understand me. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, completely disagree, but I see where you're coming from. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, so that's going to do it for us on spring. So uh, hopefully that was enjoyable. We just don't sound like a couple of idiots. Uh, But but next week we're going to be talking about one that I am so very excited to do because I just absolutely adore this movie, which is Tammy and the T-Rex.
2: Yes!
1: unfortunately that one is not streaming as far as i can tell but it is well worth the rental if you've never seen it fuck
2: yeah
1: <laughs> uh tammy the t-rex is amazing just make sure that you're watching the gore cut and not the safe <laughs> for tv cut. <laughs> the gore cut is where it's at yep. uh you can get it you can also pick it up from vinegar syndrome i believe um but anyway so that's gonna do it for us on spring so i'm matt
2: and i'm chris
1: and Happy Valentine's Day again to any of you who are in love with your monster. And to all of those who don't have that monster, fuck Valentine's Day. (laughs) It's the fucking worst. (laughs) As we've learned from Spring, because it makes you give up eternity for a fucking (laughs) D-bag. Evan's not really a D-bag, but you got my point. Uh, So so anyway, so that's it for us on Spring. So I'm Matt.
2: And I'm Chris. And
1: have a great night, horror fans.
2: Bye.
0: I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at KillerFromSpace, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night horror fans